the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A quick look at James, and you know that there is a demon faith, a faith that does not save. So what is saving faith? Let's talk about that from the book of John, next on Truth For Today. Hi there, and welcome to the program. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. We're in John taking a look at what saving faith really is. And there are a variety of types of faith, but only one that really saves. So what is this faith? And how do we get this faith? Good questions that we'll have answers for today. Please join us with this edition of Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Here's Pastor Phil Howard. Turn, if you will, to John. And I'm going to do a uh, theological study with you today, not necessarily a verse by verse. I want to try to unpackage a concept for you that's in the book of John. And um, let me read John 1, 12 and 13. And then I'll read where we were last week, John three sixteen. But just notice this key condition for becoming a believer. Speaking of Christ coming to the world, and as a whole they did not recognize him, but he says in verse 12, John 1, verse 12, but to all who did receive him, Jesus Christ, and here he qualifies what's receiving him, who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So to receive Christ is to believe into Christ. Now, let's go to John 3.16, that classic overwhelming passage that says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son condition that whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Verse 36, into the chapter. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son, and I take that to be interchangeable here with believe, shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And I believe in the Gospel of John, it's like a hundred times he emphasizes, believe, believe on the Lord, and you'll be saved. Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Over and over, believe. But here's the issue I'm going to deal with. Uh, Jesus, when he came, 
the audiences that he talked to, none of them were atheists. There was more religion per square inch in the city of Jerusalem when Christ was here than anywhere on the globe. And it was not only among the Jewish people, but you had the Romans who named their emperors gods. Then you had the Greek world that worshipped so many uh, gods. The pantheon was full. They were full of religion, full of religion, full of religion. Of course, the closest to the true religion was Judaism. And uh, true believers, Anna and Simeon and, uh, you know, the apostles that he called to himself. But religion was all over the place. And so today, when you talk to people, you say, uh, what's your belief? Oh, I'm Catholic. Oh, I'm Protestant. Or I'm Jewish. Or I'm Muslim. Or, okay, got the belief department covered. I've named you what belief I'm of or what group I belong to. And so you have people that uh, you'll ask them, do you know Jesus Christ? Oh, I've always believed. You've always believed what? I've always believed that I believed. Oh, okay. So you've got faith in faith. And so the whole concept of faith gets kind of muddied, and you'll see people, uh, let's say, come to a Bible church. They've got to be in sympathy with what we're about. Who in the world would want to show up here for entertainment? Especially this part. Uh, And so what do you mean... And so I'm going to look at at least nine thing, kinds of faith that will not save you. Uh, it, it, just, it just won't work. Because look in your notes. Do you have them there? Okay. I do that when I'm going to give a lot of detail, and I don't want to lose you. And I know you won't throw these away, but you'll file them, study them, pray over them, and, and in no way lose them. Uh, that... Uh, When you look up the basic word for faith or believe uh, in the New Testament for sure, and it pivots right off the Old Testament usage, uh, the word had the idea of reliance, trust, uh, believe, uh, believing into someone, believing in Jesus Christ. Uh, It meant to entrust or commit oneself to. Christ would not believe in men. Uh, John 2 says, or he wouldn't entrust himself to them. And so we get these nice definitions, uh, but I think a wonderful acrostic that uh, will serve you well, and just write it down there for faith. This is one, I, it's been around for years, but it's accurate and it's good. Here you go. Forsaking all, I take him. Faith in Jesus Christ is really a declaration. I, he's not one of equals. He's not like in many Indian religions or even pagan religions all over the world. We'll just add Christ to the pantheon. Oh, I take him, or do you give up them? Oh, no, I add him to them. No, true biblical faith is I abandon hope in all others, and I forsake all trust in all others, and I take him. Jesus Christ. I think that's a workable definition for us. Forsaking all, trust in myself, trust in my works. Forsaking all, I take Christ. Now, 
let's uh, see. There's three key ideas. The Reformers came up with this. Three ideas in this word for faith. Uh, they called it nosia, essentia, and fiducia. And the first one was faith is always based upon a true knowledge of something. I can't believe in what I don't know about. So just, oh, it's just a blind leap in the dark. No, it's not. No, 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 no. That is not faith. That might be insanity. See, and that's why people paint Christianity as mindless. Well, you've got to believe something. You've got to believe something. No, 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 no. No, the something better be true. See, you can have strong faith in a termite-infested bridge, and that will not make the bridge hold you. No matter, I believe it, and uh, believe it as you plunge. And sing on the way down, I believe in every... Because believing something doesn't make it true. Right? But weak faith, weak trembling faith in the Bay Bridge will hold you. My sister Ruth and I would ride in the back of the car when my folks used to go over the bridge, and we were fascinated. Did you ever ride in the back of a uh, seat of a car as little kids, and you thought those towers were going to cave in on you any moment? You said, huh? You know, will we make it? See, our faith had nothing to do with whether the bridge held. Right? So uh, we made a million like, like this. The bridge still held. A lot of people going to heaven like this. I don't know if it'll get me through, but guess what? They'll be there. Because God does keep his promise. He will save you if you put your faith in Christ. Jay Vernon McGee used to hate to fly. And in his day, uh, he'd fly twin props from L.A. to Arizona, where he did Bible conferences. And he tells the story of flying over there one time. and got into turbulent wind, and the thing was, plane was going all over the place. It's kind of like when you fly into Denver. It really gets rocky. And uh, so he, this twin prop was all over, and, and McGee said he was scared to death. And he said he looked across the aisle, and there was a guy snoring. And he said it, it, it ticked him, and he said, when I get off this plane, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. How dare Who, who do you think you are? So they, they got into Phoenix, and McGee, the bold guy he is, he went up to him and said, Hey, hey, he said, are you aware of the turbulence we just flew through? Are you aware we nearly went down? And I'm a nervous wreck over here, and it bugs me that you were asleep nearly. How can you do that? He said, oh, oh, oh. He said, I flew this plane in World War II. He said, I flew it all the time. He said, there was no wind going to bring it down. I know what the plane can do. You see, we both had security, but only one of us had assurance. There can be a lot of folks land in heaven, especially those who think you lose it five times in the meantime. They're going to land up there, and by the time they're in heaven, they're going to say, well, by George, I made it. I made it. Because you won't get to heaven because you get strong faith. You get to heaven because the object of your faith is right. It's the object you trust that saves, not how strong you believe. Right? Amen anyway, even if it's hypocritical. That's all right, do it. Anything to get me going. Two, I have knowledge. I assent. Something, I resonate. Yes, I assent. Uh, this will work. Um, and then I'm going to rely on it. I know the facts. 
I've given assent within, and now I'm going to trust it. I'm going to trust myself to it. So saving faith is knowledge of the Savior, it's assent, and it's reliance upon it. Now listen to what Packer says. Faith is a whole soul response involving mind, heart, will, and affections. Faith is an object-oriented response. I'm trusting what he said he will do. Shaped by that which is trusted, namely God himself, God's promises, and Jesus Christ, all set forth in the Scriptures. It's this wholehearted trust in the person of Christ. Now, we get different kinds of faith in the Bible. And let's take a little quick journey. I hope we can move through the nine. I want to get to the positive. Um, Let's look at Matthew, okay? You've got your Bible there, right? We've got pew Bibles. We don't give them. Return it if you've stolen one. Uh, Matthew 7, Jesus is describing false prophets. They come to you like ravenous wolves. And then he gives a very simple illustration of verse 17. Every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. What is he saying? True profession will be authenticated by true expression. Uh, the life of the tree, what, you got any fruit trees in your backyard? Not the orange or citrus, but let's say I got an apricot tree. It looks as dead as it can be. You won't even know it's alive until about April. The blossoms start coming out. And then you really know it's alive about June when it starts putting out fruit. And I've had a three blank years, another year, and it's going to be firewood. Because I want fruit. I'm not just trying to water the plant. I want the fruit. So he says, you'll know the real thing by the fruit, the product born. Second of all, profession without possession. Look at 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, I attend Valley Bible Church will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a little perversion, but, you know, Lord, Lord. They got the right language. I call him Lord. I got the right title. But the one who does the will of my Father, who's, on, who's in heaven. But in that day, many will profess, Lord, I know you. Lord, I know you. And it's going to be amazing. I, wow. I, I think for much of history, the majority of clergy have never known Christ. You'd be amazed at how many pastors of various denominations don't even know Christ. And they're going to get there, but I pastored first so-and-so. I pastored. I did this. He said, I said, I've never known you. You, you had a religious vocation but you never knew me. It was just another vocation, and you ran a franchise for God called a church, but you never knew me. Um, faith without obedience is number three. Look at here at verse 24. He concludes the world's most famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount. 
He who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. Notice, he hears these words and does them. Then verse 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the storm came, the rain came, and great was the fall of that house. Um, If you ever read the book of Ezekiel, there's a disturbing description that Ezekiel was such a magnificent prophet that it says in his prophecy that people came to hear him prophesy as you would go hear a uh, minstrel band play. They were fascinated at hearing Ezekiel prophesy. Do you ever, uh, have you ever gone to a place, uh, I can't go to bars too easily, that's kind of hard, but uh, it's the closest thing to drive me to, it was just to hear live bands. Because I always loved to watch the guitar players and the band, what they did. Uh, and others just say, oh man, isn't that good? They go, uh, I'm not going to do anything the guy said. I didn't go there for that musician to have any say in my life. Perform for me. I want to admire you. And Ezekiel said, they admired what I prophesied, but they never did it. And so here he, Jesus comes to the end of his message. says, you may admire my sermon. It's only the man or woman who does it that builds their life on the rock. So authentic faith results in doing what the Lord says. That's fair enough, isn't it? It just it results in that. Uh, let's say... Uh, Temporary faith. Turn to Luke. Luke chapter 8. You can find it also in Matthew 13, but Luke 8 says it clearly. Just different kinds of faith that uh, does not seem to save. The four soils that he's telling the parable about, and he picks one of them, verse 13, 8.13, and the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root, they have no root to them. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. Did they get saved, and then they lost it? He only mentions one soil out of the four that really bears fruit. The others are, they believed it for a week, believed it for a month. I've had people in this church that believed it for four years and then washed out, went away. have never seen them again, as it were. What is it? Uh, is the gift of faith that God gives you just temporary and a little bit of a trial, a, uh, a husband that's an unbeliever and, and won't go to church with you or this and that, You see, if we were in biblical times where people lost their families, many of them lost their properties, they were persecuted immediately, as soon as they were baptized, for sure. Persecution usually followed their confession of faith. In the United States, in the Christian nation, where we've been blessed and protected for so long, there's hardly any big stigma except your your friends say you don't party with us on the weekend. That's not too bad. Saved you a lot of money. You know, it takes a lot of money to be a good sinner. Just the bar bill alone. 
You know, you ever go in there and say, I'll have water, and, and the waitress nearly spits in your spaghetti? They make the money on the booze. But just being a Christian, think of all the things you don't need to find peace and satisfaction. It's a lot cheaper to be a Christian, so give in the offering. Um, then, uh, let's just keep on. Go to James 1. I hope you're writing these down, because we're going to test you at the end of the service. James 1, towards the end of your Bible. Look at what James says uh, in the church uh, about the Word of God. Verse 22, 1, 22 but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Authentic faith is more than hearing. It's doing. You hear it, you do it. Uh, you know, I, you, you all know my, my roots and what I came, uh, the people I got saved with and ran with, uh, fireball Pentecostal people. Uh, well, then I go to school, I... Uh, I, I get a master's, and I get all these degrees, that kind of stuff. And so you get all this more knowledge, more knowledge. And it wasn't uncommon in the schools I was in that they were not a part of this group, and they could point out their faults and what was wrong and that kind of thing and where they missed this and that. And I used to think, how in the world was I so happy back here? Why was I so happy knowing less? Because I grew up with a group, they didn't care how much you knew as much as they cared about how much you practiced. And the joy is in the doing, and not just in the knowing. Sometimes what you know can really beat you up. Said, I know a lot more than I'm doing. Have you ever heard the line, my knowledge has outrun my obedience? You're right about everything but you live like hell. And nobody believes you've got the real thing because it's not doing anything for you. When did you quit whipping your wife? I never did. Well, good. I'm glad you said that. When did you stop anything? Do you still steal? I I just got a religious itch on Sunday. When did this gospel work in your life? My dad grew up with outlaws and Indians, and his father was born 1880, Cherokee Strip. So there's nothing but Indians. Uh, he had Choctaw, Cherokee, Seminole, because he grew up in Cherokee County. Jesse James, my grandfather knew Jesse James and these outlaws. They hid out in these hills of Oklahoma. Mean, wicked people. And I asked my dad, how would you know if anybody ever got saved? Because you only had a Methodist circuit-riding preacher that rode back in the hills once a month. An old Methodist preacher just came back there. And in the meantime, all the women in the area, none of the men were Christians. They were bootleggers, killers, cattle rustlers. It was all the women that went to the schoolhouse on Sunday and prayed for their wicked husbands. I said, how did you know if anybody got saved? Oh, he said, well, it was easy, especially if it was a man. I said, how, did, how was that? I said, well, their wife healed up. I said, the wife healed up. I said, oh, uh, we beat our women. When you get drunk, you'll beat up a woman easy. He said, children started being fed because they didn't, weren't at the still and always drunk. They began to feed their children. Oh, 
Yeah, I said, we knew when they got saved. It wasn't just a little dose of, I got my religion for the day. It was life-changing. Life-changing. And sometimes I wonder, how many kinds of born-again people are there? I meet one crowd. Well, I'm doing everything I used to do. I said, you're not born again. Well, you're, you're legalistic. No, I'm saved. He delivered me from the things I used to love. And if that's never happened, just say, God, please save me. I want the real thing. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855 833 9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also be able to find out more about Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, who we are, what we believe, worship times, directions, and the like. Again, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. That's